This is Transforming Truth with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. And good morning, Detroit. This is Reverend Chris Palmer here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. It is Saturday night, and that means you're tuned in, and the Spirit of God has a plan that He wants to work in your life. So I want to encourage you tonight, before we get started into the Word of God, and before we pray, to begin to tune your heart to experience what God wants you to experience. Listen, the Word of God is quick, it's powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. There is tremendous authority in the power of the Word of God. The Word of God is inspired, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. That means that God took His very breath, which is His life. The same breath that He used to create you, and He breathed it into His Word. And when you begin to receive revelation and understanding from the Holy Ghost, that life comes right off of those words into your spirit and begins to radically change and transform your life. And you go from glory to glory, understanding to understanding, power to power, Revelation to Revelation, we as believers, our assignment and duty on the earth is to prepare the way of the Lord, to preach His Word, to proclaim His kingdom as we look for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am thankful, and I was just sharing with someone today before I came into the studio that I'm excited about the return and the second coming of Jesus. I think I'm going to start teaching on the second coming of Christ, and I look forward to His coming. I can't wait, and my cry of my heart is, Come, Lord Jesus. There are a lot of believers today, they look and they say, Lord, I want this, and I want that, and I want a wife, I want a husband, you know, I want to make a million dollars, I want uh, whatever, I want a new business, I want kids, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it's good to want and desire things that you believe that are good for your life, things that God has promised us from his word, but the ultimate cry of our heart is Jesus come and, re- and, and reestablish your kingdom here upon the earth. And there is nothing in my life that uh, I want more than for Jesus to come. You say, so you wouldn't mind Jesus coming today even though you're not married? I wouldn't. I would rather have Jesus come than me get married. I'd rather have Jesus come than me to continue in ministry. I want Jesus to come. Someone said, well, he can't come until the gospel's preached into all the world. Well, let me tell you, the gospel is pretty much preached in all the world. I know ministries that have Bible schools and all over the world, and there is no country that I know of that has not been touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I believe that Jesus can come at any moment, and at any time, and I fully expect him to come, and I look for him, and until then, I wait patiently and preach the gospel and do my part in the kingdom with the measure of grace that he has given me and through the power and the anointing of the Spirit. That's the gospel plan. So look unto the heavens whence our help cometh from. The Word of God also says that we look for a city whose builder and maker is God. So we look for his coming. Let me pray tonight before we get into the word of God. Father, I thank you for every person that's listening tonight, every person that needs a touch of healing. I pray, Father, your spirit would touch their body, heal them, set them free. Father, people that need deliverance, people that are bound in their mind, you have sent to us the Holy Spirit, the mighty power of God. And in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would stretch forth your hand, touch and heal by your spirit. Father, I curse sickness and disease in the name of Jesus, discouragement and depression, unclean spirits that are at work in people's lives and family. I take authority over them now in Jesus' name, and I command them to loose their hold. Father, I pray that you would evidence your power through your manifested spirit tonight. I pray in Jesus' name that people that are listening, that are tuned in, would receive a touch of God tonight. 
in the name of Jesus, we release your power and your spirit. And we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's get into the word of God tonight. Before we do, I want to tell you and remind you that my book, uh, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, is out and it is available. You can go on to uh, www.amazon.com. And you can order that, or you can even order it off of our website, www.chrispalmerministries.com. But I'll just be frank with you, if you want the best price on it, I would go to Amazon and order it. And uh, it's available now. So if you go to Amazon.com and you type in Chris Palmer, uh, The Believer's Journey, you'll find that available for you. And uh, it's going to be a book. I'm going to start teaching this book, actually, eventually on the radio. So if you want to follow along, get your book. If you pre-ordered your book, we'll be sending those books out this week. So just wait patiently as they're arriving in the mail soon. But I'll be teaching this book at the Hilton Garden Inn in Novi, Michigan at 27355 Cabaret Drive in Novi, Michigan. It's actually the Hilton Hotel that uh, is located right next to Fountain Walk and the Imagine Theater there in Novi. And I'll be teaching it on four Friday nights in a row, Friday, October 25th, at two, uh, 2013, Friday, November 1st, 2013, Friday, November 8th, 2013, and Friday, November 15th, 2013. I'll be preaching the Word of God. It'll be four anointed nights of teaching, preaching, worship, prayer, power of God, demonstration, healing. If you have someone that's sick, bring a sick person. If you need someone that needs deliverance, someone that needs to be full of the Holy Ghost, uh, somebody that needs a touch from the Spirit of God. Bring them. There will be fresh anointing, fresh outpouring services as we preach on the mighty power of the Holy Ghost and the work of Jesus Christ in our lives to make us brand new creatures. So I want to encourage you to come out. Again, that's October 25th, November 1st, November 8th, and November 15th at 7.30 p.m. at the uh, Hilton Garden in, in Novi by the Imagine Theater. Now, it's a free event which means that there's no registration necessary. Just come and find a seat and uh, be blessed by what the Word of God has for you. Also, I remind you of our podcast, On the Road with Chris Palmer. Share them with somebody, share them with a friend as they are blessed as our podcast can, and our archives continue to grow. Allow them to teach and educate you according to the Word of God. Jesus, in the Scripture, had tremendous insight into the spirit realm. Today, People like to place an emphasis on academia alone. And academia and study alone is not what it causes us to be effective in the kingdom of God. I know people that have their doctorates and PhDs, but they're not effective in ministry because they've never learned to tap into the realm of the Spirit. If you're going to preach the Word of God, minister the Spirit of God to people, you have to transcend you have to transcend the intellect and you have to learn how to go into the realm of spirit. You have to learn that there is more than just a physical realm that uh, touches our intellect and appeals to our understanding. And you have to learn that there is a supernatural realm, that there is a spirit realm that is moving back and forth day to day. And that is where our spirit exists. And in order to be effective in ministry, you have to learn how to transcend that and go into the spirit realm. And that's where deliverance happens. That's where healing happens. And that's where the kingdom of God functions in that spirit realm. And the way that you do that is you get a hold of the Holy Spirit who becomes your liaison in the spirit realm. The number one thing that we as preachers and ministers should teach people, I believe it with all my heart, of course, is the gospel truths and the word of God. But that can't be done and people cannot receive it until they are in relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot be uh, 
subtracted from gospel work. People try to do gospel work on intellect and understanding alone, but you cannot bring someone to Jesus Christ without the help of the Holy Spirit. You cannot minister the baptism of the Spirit without the Spirit. Healing or anything that pertains to our spiritual understanding must be connected to the help of our paraclete. Para means in the Greek to come alongside. The helper has come alongside you to walk with you on your journey to lead and guide you into all the truth. And so we see that in the body of Christ today, a true church is not personality driven by the pastor, and a true church is not personality dri- or, or academia driven. A true church is Holy Spirit driven. The pastor's emphasis should be teaching believers to uh, develop their own relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is not accessed by understanding. He's not accessed by academia. You can have five degrees attached to your name, but if you don't know how to access the Spirit of God, it's not going to do you any good. And the fruit of your ministry will be very, very limited. Jesus, before he even began his ministry, came into union with the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, when the Spirit of God descended upon him as a dove and a voice cried from heaven, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so the Spirit of God came over Jesus and partnered with him. And so you see that this is a type of the idea that the Holy Spirit's desire is to rest upon the sons of God. And when you were born again, you were grafted into Jesus Christ as a Gentile, and you now have uh, access to the blessing that Israel had, that Abraham had, and that is righteousness by faith. And because of that, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and he wants to lead you, he wants to guide you, and not just that, he wants to empower you for Christian service. And even in my book, I talk about how he gives you a prayer language, praying in tongues, and how that praying in tongues begins to propel you into a life of power. Now... I've been in plenty of Bible classes where the professor likes to talk about praying in tongues and smash it and say, oh, it's not for the church today. However, you can do your best to intellectually defend and pull up the original Greek and whatever you want. But first of all, the original Greek, the word is glossolalia, and that is a Greek word that's not used anywhere in the New Testament except when it's referring to the utterance of the Spirit of God that comes upon those that have been baptized in the Spirit. And that Greek word there cannot really be explained away that well by even the best theologians of the Greek who are take a position against tongues. But even more so than that, when anybody's been baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaks in tongues, myself as a witness, when you pray in the Spirit, there is a phenomenal power that is going to accompany that. And I can tell you firsthand in my life that it was the first door into operating in a tremendous understanding of Scripture that exceeded even the best understanding that my teachers were able to give me. It is something that will launch you into a life of miracles and power, victory over your flesh, because you're partnering with the Spirit. And I'm not going to get into talking about tongues tonight, but there's nothing that anybody could do at any university or any seminary to get me to back away from tongues because of the result I've seen in my life, as well as those that who also are walking in this gift as well. And I believe firmly it's available to every believer. Now I'm saying that tonight to tell you, that Jesus Christ, when he walked the earth, had a tremendous understanding of spiritual things, and he had a tremendous understanding of the spirit realm, something that we need in churches today. Now, let me say this. The early church, uh, you know, I'm not downplaying academia. As a matter of fact, I am a grad student. I'm working to get my master's degree. But I'll tell you this. Um, as much as I enjoy church history, and as much as I enjoy uh, the original texts and the original languages that are biblical, um, the early church was not sitting around studying Greek language. 
And the early church was not sitting around studying church history. The early church didn't even have a Bible. Now, that doesn't mean you throw your Bible away because it's an inspired word that's been given to us. And I'm very much 100% for the Bible. And to do that would be crazy. You need the word of God. I believe in sola uh, logos, which means by the word only. We need the word of God. It is God's unfallible, inspired word. But the early church, make no mistake, didn't have that. They were led by the Spirit of God as the Spirit of God began to put the pieces of the early church together and form for us a doctrine, form for us a canon whereby we can live by. But the point I'm trying to make is that we no less can be dependent upon, uh, no, we can no less leave our dependency upon the Spirit now because we have the Word of God. Just because we have the Word of God, a luxury they didn't have back in the New Testament days, but we do have is we have the Holy Spirit, and we need the Spirit's empowerment in our lives to begin to carry out the Word of God and live the way that the early church lived, and that is through miracle power and authority. And so we can't just depend upon church history to do ministry. We can't just depend upon academia to do ministry. We have to depend upon the mighty power of the Holy Spirit and His active participation in our life as believers in Christ. And that comes to mind an understanding of Jesus. Now, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a rabbinical student. Jesus had to go through all of the school that young Jewish boys went through during that time. He probably was a student since he was seven years old when they began their training. And it's very possible he even had the Torah memorized, probably the Pentateuch at least. And so Jesus, being a student of the law, still had a very tremendous understanding in regard for spiritual things. And it says here in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 43, When the unclean spirit, this is Jesus teaching, is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Then he goes and takes with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Jesus is comparing the wicked generation to unclean spirits. And the result of, he compares how a wicked generation that is led and guided and, and deceived, how that state is comparable to a person that's been influenced by demon spirits. So Jesus recognized demon spirits. As a matter of fact, Jesus was an exorcist. He cast out devils on a regular basis. That was a very big part of the ministry of Jesus. I always say this, but in the book of Mark, when you look at it and you read through it, you'll find out that Mark begins his gospel by showing Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God, the Son of man, going around casting out devils. And that was a major part of his ministry. And in the first book, you'll see four cases of deliverance, many of which are attached to sickness and disease. Now, it's just common sense to understand that if sicknesses and diseases in Jesus' day were a result of demon spirits today they're also a result of demon spirits and people need deliverance from these things and guess what friend there's only one thing that is going to help you deliver somebody from demon spirits and that is the holy spirit of god that's why i tell people that going to church is not enough and just reading the bible is not enough you have to be filled with the holy spirit and you have to maintain that fresh filling of the spirit in your life so that you can continually walk in victory over the devil that's why, husbands, you should be the greatest gift that you can give your family is to be full of the Spirit. Wives, the greatest gift that you can give your family is to be full of the Spirit. And parents, the best thing that you can teach your children is not just to be saved and to be born again in Christ, which is enough to get you into heaven and make you an adopted child of God. 
but God wants to take those that have been adopted into his family and received the gift and grace of sonship, and he wants to empower them to have victory over demon spirits and sickness and disease. And to do that, you can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the fullness of the Spirit in your life. And yet will give you authority and power over unclean spirits. Now, I've preached in 10 or 11 countries, and I've preached in every corner of the United States, including just was in San Francisco preaching. And, you know, uh, I have cast out devils, and I have ministered deliverance to people. I've seen people get free of devils, manifest devils, and I've seen the authority that we have in Jesus Christ over all the foul spirits that are in this earth. And so, much of the suffering that we see in mankind today, much of the sickness and disease, I'm not saying all of it, but I'm saying a lot of it, goes undetected because we fail to see that it's a spiritual source. I believe, according to Daniel chapter 10, when it talks about the prince of Persia and the prince of Grisha, these were principalities that were over uh, whole regions. Now, the uh, Greek word for principality is the word arche. The word arche actually means beginning and ruler. These ruling spirits also have uh, another sense of this Greek word. It's the word beginning. It's the beginning spirit or the alpha spirit or the high spirit. And so these demon spirits are spirits over whole territories, influencing people's minds, enslaving them in false religions and false doctrines. Uh, now I talk about this in my book. Actually, I talk about this in the first three or four chapters. And how the enemy's plan is to enslave people's minds into a whole religious system that will bind them out and keep the gospel from penetrating their hearts. And that's what our opposition is as believers. That's why we go and proclaim the, uh, the Greek would call eungion, the, the, the evangelion, the gospel, the good news, the announcement, the heralding of the kingdom. When you're sent by Jesus, you are an apostolos, you're an apostle, sent by the Lord Jesus or the king himself to to preach the Eungion, which is the gospel of Jesus, the good news that Jesus Christ has come. And it's this good news that liberates people from sin when they receive it into their hearts. And the way that they receive it into their hearts is through the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm saying this to tell you that there are wicked spirits at work in people causing sickness, causing disease, divisions, stripes of all kinds, propagators of sin and unclean habits. Uh, unclean uh, uh, practices that are trying to prevent that gospel or that seed which is the word of God from penetrating in their heart and producing fruits of righteousness and fruits of holiness and so we need the help of the spirit to overcome and combat these evil spirits now when I say that it's taken for granted that when the spirit is at work in your life you're already walking in victory over evil spirits and demon spirits. Your job is to be empowered to help others to overcome it and minister deliverance to other people. So if you stay full of the Holy Ghost, friend, and you stay full of the Spirit, you stay full of His Word, you stay full of His light, you allow His light to penetrate your heart and to continually illuminate you, you will not lack for fresh power and fresh authority. One thing I learned in my life is that you need to continually walk in fresh bread from God. Now, the Word of God, Jesus, He is the bread of life. And as we read the Word of God, which is the bread of life, we can uh, receive fresh bread daily. You need that fresh baked bread in your life. And when you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, He continually makes that bread fresh, and He continually puts it in your life. You know, it's important to understand that it's no good to try and live off yesterday's revelation. That doesn't mean yesterday's revelation isn't correct, but you're not eating yesterday's bread. You're eating today's bread. It's the same bread, but it's freshly baked. 
and you want the Holy Spirit to continually give you fresh understanding from Scripture, and even take the old understanding and refresh it for your life. I know that there are things that I learned, revelation I've received as a younger man, and to this day, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives me the same revelation. It just comes back fresh to me. And he want, you want him to do that in your life because it's fresh revelation and understanding that causes you to walk in tremendous authority and power over all the sicknesses and diseases and the works of the enemy that are in this world. You know, I know people like to believe that, well, Brother Palmer, God puts sickness and disease on us to teach us a lesson. Well, guess what? No, he doesn't. And there's no place in Scripture that you can prove that. And if you're going to try and use the book of Job to say that God put that sickness on Job, he did not. God couldn't put a sickness on Job. As a matter of fact, Satan put that sickness on Job because there's no sickness that God has that he could put on Job. Satan came and put that on Job. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably saying, oh, yeah, well, God allowed it to happen. Well, here's guess what. Uh, for you to say that God allowed it to happen and just accuse God of doing it because he didn't stop that would mean that God is ultimately responsible for all the tragedy that happens in the world. And that, uh, you know, it's all his fault because he didn't stop everything. Well, I got to tell you that the war the Bible says in Psalm chapter 8 that the earth hath he given to the children of men. That God gave this earth to us children to steward over. That we have responsibility over this earth. That's why we need to pray. And that's why we need to believe God. Because we have some say as to what goes on here in the earth. And the God who is sovereign put us in control over the earth. And if we want him to be active, we have to ask him. And we have to petition him. And a lot of times our prayers have to remain persistent before God. Because there are wicked spirits that are trying to hinder those prayers from happening. Wicked spirits that are trying to block our requests that are being made for the help of the Spirit, for the help of whatever we're asking God for. So we have to stay persistent in prayer and believe God and that uh, uh, as we stay persistent in prayer that His will will come to pass, and it will. That's why we persevere in prayer. But we've been talking about on this broadcast uh, different demon spirits that begin to operate here in the earth that try to stop man, that try to hinder man, and try to uh, do away with gospel work. Last week we talked about the spirit of Jezebel. Now that's not Jezebel's spirit, not talking about her specifically, but the kind of spirit that got a hold of Jezebel and caused King Ahab destruction and ultimately the destruction of Israel. We talked about the spirit of Ahab, how Ahab was a passive man and how he was weak and he didn't recognize evil and he allowed the spirit of Jezebel to come in and wreak havoc in Israel. Then we talked about the spirit of Absalom or a rebellious spirit, a spirit that... Uh, came against his own father, and uh, we talked about different aspects of that. Now, if you're looking for that, you can go on our podcast, which you can find at On the Road with Chris Palmer It uh, when you search iTunes or whatever you use for Android to search that out. But tonight I want to talk to you about three more spirits, and I want to believe that uh, now, uh, when we're talking about these, um, I'm not saying that people that are controlled by them are demon-possessed. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that there are spirits that act these out and cause these results in people's lives. And that doesn't mean that you go looking for them and start pointing your fingers and saying that uh, your leaders are doing that. You don't want to get involved in that. I'm just saying beware and be careful because there are, uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, 12, that our, wrestle, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and wicked spirits in heavenly places. Uh, heavenly places is talking about the spirit realm. We see the evidence of the spirit realm and all over the Bible, of course. Everything that's happening in the Bible is spiritual. It's in order to understand the Bible. You have to be a spiritual person and you have to come into more and more illumination of that spiritual realm. That's what gets back to what I was talking about, academia. Academia 
and studying of books and memorization of even the Bible can't bring you into an understanding of that spirit realm. Only the Holy Ghost can. And your meditation in Jesus can do that. And that's where effectiveness is born out of. You see in Revelation chapter 4, the Bible says that John was on the island of Patmos. And immediately he was in a vision. It says it was the Lord's day. And immediately he was in a vision. And he was caught up. And the Bible says that he was taken. He was shown the heavenly throne room. And then he was given the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. And then he told him to share it with the seven churches in Asia Minor. Okay, so Paul or John was very aware of that spirit realm. And not only was John aware of that spirit realm, Paul mentions that he was very aware of that spirit realm. The very time, first time that we see Paul introduced after the, after the stoning of Stephen, you'll see in Acts chapter 9 that the apostle Paul uh, was on his way to Damascus. He was a Pharisee, and he was knocked off of his horse. And you'll see, he looks up, and he saw it. he heard the voice of Jesus. And he saw Jesus in all his glory, and his eyes were blind. He was taken to the house of Ananias, and Ananias prayed for him, and those scales fell off of his eyes. But his inner man, his inner heart, uh, had received understanding of who the Christ was. Now, Paul had a tremendous revelation of the spirit realm, and it was out of that revelation that he ministered to people. Peter, James, and John. The three disciples of Jesus, they had a tremendous revelation of the spirit realm. Not only walking with Jesus, but in Matthew chapter 17, they were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And when they saw Jesus was transfigured on that mountain, of course, they saw Elijah, Elijah and Moses come talking with Jesus. And so they had an understanding of that spirit realm. And the 120 that were in the upper room, the Bible says that when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, tongues came upon them. And they began to uh, speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the Bible says they heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues as a fire came to rest upon each of them. They had an experience with the spirit realm. So everybody that was in um, the early church was experiencing the supernatural and was getting involved in the spirit realm. And I believe that's the key today. That people, uh, parents, if you want your kids to remain as believers, they need to have an encounter with Jesus. Uh, if you want your to walk in power, you can't just pull it out of a book. You have to have an encounter with God. You have to have an encounter with that spirit realm. And you have to know that one exists. And not just know it by understanding, but you have to know it by experience. And the way you do that is you look unto Jesus and you give your life over to the Holy Ghost. And he will lead and guide you into the truths of the spirit realm that he wants you to understand that are applicable to your life and to working out your grace in the kingdom of God. Not everybody's going to have understanding of everything. You're not going to get an understanding of everything because God has given you a measure that he wants you to work and he will supply to you what is necessary for you to fulfill the grace and for you to fulfill the calling uh, and the election that you have in your life, that measure that you have. Now, the, the, uh, the third spirit that I want to talk about is a pharisaic spirit. Uh, a pharisaic spirit is the same kind of spirit that was evidenced uh, in the ministry of Jesus uh, through his greatest opponents, and those were the Pharisees. Very few times. Um, well, actually, I'll say it like this. The ministry of Jesus, Jesus was able to minister to everybody. He was able to minister to sinners. He was able to minister to uh, religious Jews that came into the synagogue daily, and they were receptive of the ministry of Jesus. Uh, they recognized him as a rabbi and a teacher, and when Jesus came along, he was different from all the other rabbis because 
He was teaching that the way to God was not through the law of Moses. The way to God was through him. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. And at that time, the way to God was through the law of Moses and strict observance of Torah. But Jesus taught that the way that you get to God is through the Son. And the Pharisees didn't like this. But here's the interesting thing. The Pharisees were so blind in their understanding because their hearts were so callous towards God that if they were really true scholars of the gospel, they could have recognized that Jesus, his whole life, was a fulfillment of prophecy. Now, I believe that a lot of the times when Jesus did certain things, the Bible says so that prophecy could be fulfilled. Uh, and it was, it, and, and many times in the accounts of the gospel, it'll say, and, uh, you know, which was fulfilled, which was written in Isaiah or whatever. Especially in Luke chapter 4, you see this. This is evidence that the writers were telling you that prophecy was being fulfilled right in front of people's eyes. And there were people during that time that were so blinded by egotism and self-righteousness and religiousness. Or let me say it like this. They were even so blinded by their experience that they missed the work of God on the earth. A pharisaic spirit is blind toward the fresh move of God. I'm going to say that again. A pharisaic spirit is blind toward the fresh move of God. A pharisaic spirit sounds like this. What we had yesterday is good enough for today. And the way God moved in times past is the only way that God is going to move today. The Pharisees were so stuck on the law of Moses. And that's not necessary. I'm not saying the law of Moses was a bad thing. Now you can't try and keep the law of Moses. You know, there's people out there today that are trying to keep the law of Moses and they're Christians. Well, guess what, Christian? The law of Moses wasn't given to you. It was given to a certain people group, the children of Israel, in a certain time period, the dispensation of law. And I know there's people that don't agree with dispensationalism, but I think dispensationalism is at least helpful for us to understand uh, time and place and purpose of God. Now, okay, it's not a bad thing, but law was replaced or fulfilled by Jesus Christ, fulfilled by Jesus Christ, and law now was replaced by the love of God and the grace of God. And the one law that we live by is the law of love. And if you fulfill the law of love and you have the new creation, creation in your heart, uh, you are now pleasing towards God. And the Pharisees were so stuck on religious pietism that they missed the Messiah right in front of their eyes. If their heart would have been sensitive to God, if they would have had true communion and true fellowship with God, the way that they believed the law could bring that for them, they would not have missed the coming and the appearance of the Messiah. They would have recognized his birth in Bethlehem. They would have recognized that he was a branch growing up out of Nazareth. They would have seen his life. They would have considered it. And they would have had the help of God to recognize that this was the Son of God. But they were so caught up in their legalism that they missed the coming of the Messiah. Do you know there's people like that today? What God was doing yesterday is all that he's going to do today. Let me say it like this. You say, well, why are people like that? Why do people want to embrace this 
pharisaical spirit. Here's why. Because they mastered yesterday. And if they're egotistically driven, they don't want to come into what's fresh today because they were masters of what was yesterday. And if they move into what today, they may not be necessarily a master of it. They may have to relearn things and they don't want to have to relearn things or they won't want to have to move into what is fresh because they were only good at what was yesterday. And this tells you that they're not moving with the Spirit of God. Okay? The Pharisaic spirit is a spirit that hates grace and loves legalism. You know the Pharisees were very legalistic. Pharisees, Sadducees, they were the ones when Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath, they got mad at Jesus. They said, oh, you can't heal this man on the Sabbath. Jesus being the master, greatest rabbi that ever walked the face of the earth. He was a greater teacher than Plato, Aristotle, and Socrates. Jesus said, which of you having an ox that falls into a ditch on the Sabbath will not pull it out? This man, is he not more valuable in the sight of God than a simple ox? What can you say to that? That was a loaded question because the answer was yes. If you have an ox and he's a means of uh, income and wealth, and he falls into a ditch, you're allowed to pull him out on the Sabbath. You can't leave your beast in there and allow him to die because the law forbade, forbade you to be cruel towards your beast. But at the same time, Jesus was if, if they answered no, then Jesus was saying, is, are you saying that a beast is greater than a simple man that has a sickness or disease? Are you saying that this disease that this person has is not as great as an ox falling into a ditch? There's no way they could answer it because if they answered, they if they answered, uh, that it's no different. It's, it's different if it's an ox, and they're saying that uh, the animal is better than a human being, and that's forbidden by the law. Jesus loaded the question for them because he was such a smart teacher. Well, uh, the the Pharisees were so blind; they didn't have a respect and a regard for people, and that's another mark of a of this Pharisaical spirit: is that people love the ministry, people love the work of God, or to appear to do the work of God, but they don't have a true love for people. When I was young in my ministry, the Lord told me, he said, Son, do not, do not make the same mistake that many of my preachers and my sons and daughters have made up to this point. I said, what mistake is that? He said, I let them do ministry their whole lives successfully but they did it in their heart without the love of God for my people and the Lord says don't make that mistake in other words don't turn ministry or even gospel work and I don't just mean pulpit ministry because friend you may not be a preacher on the radio or travel or write books or do things that I do and that's okay you don't have to to be a minister you're a minister of reconciliation according to Second Corinthians chapter 5 your job is to reconcile people to the world that may come being a mother that may come being working at a craft store. That may come you might work at Starbucks. I don't know. You may not even have a job. You may, you know, play checkers all day long. I don't know what you do. But if that's what you've called to do, then you are minister of reconciliation in your respective vocation. Whatever you do, don't do it without the love of God in your life. Make sure that the love of God is operating no matter what you do. Because if you start trying to work for the kingdom of God, and have no love for people, and no compassion on people, well, you are now working as a Pharisee. Because Pharisees don't have compassion for people. This was evidenced. 
when uh, <laughs> Jesus went in and he opened the eyes of the blind man on the Sabbath. I believe it's in John chapter 9. And the Pharisees were not rejoicing that this man that was blind from birth, his eyes were popped open. Now this man could get a job. This man could probably get married. This man, uh, you now know how it changed his life. He probably never had seen the temple, never had seen the robes of, of, the, of the, the religious leaders. He'd never seen an animal. What an animal. I mean, think about it if you know someone that's blind. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes along and pops his eyes open. And they don't rejoice. That's the result of uncompassion. And that's a pharisaical spirit. We're going to come back in just a minute. And we're going to talk about the spirits that try to cause division in the church that are sent by hell to stop the kingdom of God. We'll be back after this. Stay tuned. Come l'aurora, tu certamente sorgerai, ed al mattino la guarigione arriverà. Libertà dal cielo scenderà, tu volgerai il tuo sguardo. Asciugherai il nostro pianto, tu verrai a noi, tu verrai a noi. Un tempo nuovo è qui, hai reso tutto nuovo e c'è gioia eterna in me al posto.
And we are back here on the Transforming Truth Radio broadcast. God bless you, friend, if you're just tuning in tonight. We are talking about unclean spirits, different demon spirits that come along and try to stop the gospel work. Now, if you're just tuning in, I want to remind you that my book, uh, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, is now available for purchase. You can get it by going on Amazon.com and typing in The Believer's Journey and my name, Chris Palmer. And you'll find it, or you can get it on our website, www.chrispalmerministries.com, or you can go to barnesandnoble.com, type in Believer's Journey, Chris Palmer, and it'll pop up. I pray it blesses you, uh, and I pray it be a blessing to you. Now, if you're looking for the best price to give it to you, go to amazon.com. Nobody can beat their prices, and it will bless you. Someone says, why do you charge for a book? Well, I have to tell you that uh, <laughs> they're very expensive to produce. And I believe that when you buy something, you have more of appreciation for it. It's my heart for you to read it. I want to get it out, and I want it to be in your hands. Some of the greatest blessings in my life are books that I have purchased and books that I have read. And so I want you to get it, and I want it to be a blessing to you. So you can go, The Believer's Journey, Chris Palmer, Amazon.com, look it up. I want you to know also that I'll be teaching my book um, Friday, October 25th at 7.30 p.m. at the Hilton Garden Inn in Novi, Michigan, as well as November 1st, 8th, and 15th. So October 25th, November 1st, November 8th, and November 15th, I'll be at the Hilton Garden Inn preaching, praying for the sick. It'll be an anointed, explosive night of teaching, preaching, worship, and prayer and ministry time. So I don't want you to miss it. I'll be there. You know, people write me and say, Brother Palmer, can you come bless us? Can we meet you? Where can blah, blah, blah? And so this is your opportunity to come and uh, would love to meet you, my listener, as I love you and I pray for you. Okay? We're going to get back talking about unclean spirits that are operating today inside of the world. And some of these spirits, most of the time, they find their way into the body of Christ. One time the Lord told me, he said that the enemy is not trying to destroy the world. The world lieth, the Bible says, according to First John, in wickedness. The whole world is under a canopy of darkness, evil spirits that have the world... Uh, brainwashed, obsessed, and have driven the world mad. That's why you need Jesus. Because when you have him in your life and you have the Holy Ghost in your life, he erects around your mind a force field and a fortress to protect your mind from those thoughts that are poisonous seed tears that will come in and begin to produce a bumper crop of destruction and disease and, and sorrow in your life. When you have the Word of God, it forms a ridge around your mind, that protects you and guards you and keeps you. Just know this, friend. If you live in a life of illicit party, one foot in and one foot out, you're going to be half miserable most of the time. You need to make sure. People, believers come to me and say, I'm miserable. I'm upset. All oh, my life stinks. I'm depressed. X, Y, and Z. Well, uh, it's just like um, a symptom. That's a symptom of not being in the Word of God. That's a symptom of not going to church. That's a symptom of not praying. That's a symptom of not giving. And doing what God's called you to do and those things that we practice on a regular basis. Your life won't be miserable if you stay in the Word of God. Your life won't be miserable if you spend time in prayer. Your life, the things that you call miserable are things that are a result of lacking to do the simple things. And that is receive understanding from the Word of God. Now don't judge you, but get into the Word. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Worship God. Spend time in daily worship. Make your prayer time on fire with God. And you'll begin to see how he downloads his life into your spirit. 
We're talking about a pharisaic spirit. We're saying that a pharisaic spirit is uncompassionate. A pharisaic spirit does not move with and stay current with what God is doing on the earth today. A pharisaic spirit believes that what God was doing yesterday is what he's doing today. And the reason they don't want to move into what God is doing today is because they're comfortable, because they mastered what he was doing yesterday. They don't want to have to learn things because they're proud. And also, more on the pharisaic spirit, pharisaic spirit loves praise. Pharisaic spirit is, um, what's the word I'm looking for, falsely humble. Pharisaic spirit is overly concerned with position and honor. Pharisaic spirit is consistently governing people with their own laws and their own traditions and they refused correction because of arrogance and their own perceived spirituality and of course another thing that uh, is synonymous with a pharisaic spirit is that they're overly critical all the time of course the pharisees walked in that it says here in matthew chapter 23 verse 13 jesus says talking to the Pharisees, he says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you are hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of God, excuse me, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against man, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering in to go in. Always critical. Always giving out commands, never following their own commands. Always looking to strain in a gnat and swallow a camel. They refuse correction, and the most important thing, and, and this really is a true evidence of a pharisaic spirit, is it does not bear fruit. I'm going to say that again. It does not bear fruit. You'll see that religion and tradition cannot bear the same kind of fruit because God's life is not behind that. The Zoe life of God, the Spirit of God, the Numeva of God is what bears fruit. And if you, you can't have both operating in your life at the same time. You can't have a pharisaical spirit and the Spirit of God. It's one or the other. And so, to keep yourself from being misguided by the Spirit, you have to walk in humility and say, God, my life is yours, my ministry is yours, my um, directives, directives are yours, and what you want in my life belongs to you. And God, I pray that you continue to give progressive understanding and revelation to me to continue to move forward in what you're doing in the earth today. And when people have that pliable spirit and that humble spirit, it keeps them from being guided by this pharisaical spirit. Now, understanding Pharisees, Pharisees interpreted the word of God, or, well, let's just say the Torah, the way they wanted to interpret it. And whoever had the best interpretation, or perhaps the most meaningful, or the most um, interesting interpretation of that day was considered the leading Pharisee. Well, it would turn into a show, many times a competition. And with all things, it turned into political politics. It turned into politicking and political, you know, back scratching trying to get upon the Sanhedrin and to go further up into uh you know the religious system of that time which of course the highest was the high priest and uh that's what happens 
there's competition, there is self-centeredness. And so you want to keep your heart from that. And the way you do that is you keep your worship life on fire. You continue to worship and praise. And I'll say this again about a pharisaical spirit. Um, they really have lost their first love. There's no love for God. You don't see him worshiping. You don't see him moved by the presence of God. You don't see them responding to the presence of God. Making no time for the presence of God. Because the presence of God is an interruption to their agenda. And so you want to stay away from that. You always want to make time. You always want to, you know, I always say it's good when you get in the presence of God, it should always be as though it's the first time you've ever been in the presence of God. You ever see someone that does something for the first time? Maybe you go to a particular city. I remember when I went to, uh, well, this is how I usually am when I go anywhere for the first time. Uh, I pull my camera phone out and I just fire it up and start taking pictures, 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 pictures. This picture, that picture, this picture, just taking pictures of the roads, the streets, the mountains, and then finally three or four days into the trip after I wore out my memory on my camera, I'm not taking pictures no more. But you go back a second time, well, you're not taking as many pictures. Been there, seen that, saw that. And uh, that's called apathy. That's called being apathetic, passive towards something. When you're in the presence of God, you should have that initial feeling. Like you're taking pictures over and over again because it's like the first time that you have been in his presence before. It's like the first time you've experienced that wonder, that grace, that amazement, that awe. When it's really the presence of God, it does not cease to awe you, doesn't cease to satisfy you, doesn't ever cease to amaze you. You just cannot get enough. And it's like somebody with wonder, you pull that camera out and just start taking pictures. Because when you take a picture, it's showing that you marvel at something. It's showing that you want to look at it again. You want to, you appreciate it. And that's what it means. But people that put their cameras away and don't take pictures, well, they're bored. That's what a pharisaic spirit is. It's bored with the presence of God. It gets around Jesus. And it's more involved with themselves than they are Jesus. When you have a true heart of worship... You're more involved with Jesus. And all your eyes are, are focused on them. Have you ever seen a beautiful sunset? You know, I remember one time when I was in Turkey. It was by far the most beautiful sunset I had ever seen. Now, some places, even though you're standing on a beach with sand and mountains and whatever, some places just have more beautiful sunsets. And it's really because the way the earth sits and where you're at and how this, you know, it just... That's my best guess. Uh, because I was on a beach no different from a lot of beaches. It's just a nice beach. But the sunset was just marvelous. I can't explain to you the way it was. Or when I was in one of the Greek isles. And uh, we were on an island called Hios. And I remember the sunrise that day. I've never seen a sunrise like that before in my life. And I was with people. And for a moment, <laughs> you know, I forgot I was with people. I forgot... That I was, I just forgot about everything as I watched it come up. And that's how you should be in the presence of God. That's how people were in the presence of Jesus. How else could people sit and listen to Jesus all day long and starve themselves? You know, Jesus, realized, Jesus was such a master teacher. 
people would have starved themselves to listen to what he was saying had he not fed him. Oh my gosh, I cannot imagine what it would have been like to listen to Jesus teach. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost, friend, you're praying out the mystery of everything Christ is in you, to you, and through you, the hope of glory. If you read my book, I'll talk about how praying in tongues and allowing that process in your life to take place as the equivalent of receiving the understanding that people received when they listened to Jesus and received that understanding from the Holy Ghost. You don't have to have him here in the flesh, friend, to receive the benefits of his doctrine and his, and his understanding. Well, anyway, uh, but people that have this pharisaical unclean spirit that is operating in their life, well, they're not amazed anymore by the presence of God. And they're always conscious of themselves, and they're not conscious of the presence because apathy has set in. Now, this pharisaic spirit, this has an attachment to the spirit, or perhaps it's a cousin of the spirit of unbelief, which is another unclean spirit that operates in this earth. It's an unbelieving spirit. Did you know that unbelief is a spirit? Well, what do you mean, Brother Palmer? I thought it's just, if I don't believe, I don't believe. If I believe, I believe. No, no, no. I'm talking about staunch, aggressive, unbelief. I just, people just, just I just can't believe. I've heard the gospel a thousand times. I just can't believe it. It's a fairy tale. I've heard the, I read a good blog about this. I usually don't read blogs. I'm not, you know, I don't particularly like blogs. I just usually see them as a one-sided conversation. That's my opinion. But I understand the power of them. I just, I'm not into them. If you're into them, great. I'm not that much into blogs. But they're good. As a matter of fact, you can resource, they're, they're now being, they're, they're useful references for uh, research papers, actually. Um, it just shows you how far blogs have come. There's good blogs out there. I mean, it has to be someone that knows what they're talking about. But I actually read a good blog the other day uh, that I saw floating around on Twitter. And it was about uh, a young man that's a preacher now. And he was saved and came out of Hinduism. And he was talking about how he could not receive the gospel until somebody prayed for him. Uh, to be saved. And how it, that prayer broke the power of the spirit of unbelief that was in his life. And I, I favored it on Twitter. If you go to my Twitter account and look at my favorites, it's on there. Um, I believe the website is EmergingEvangelist.com. Now I blog on that site, uh, but I do it for a friend who asked me to do it. Now... It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, the devil, is it just tells you here, he's after the glorious gospel of Christ. He is after people understanding the, I don't, can't say it as good as my Greek professor, but the elungion. The Evangelion, <laughs> the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And the spirit of unbelief tries to erect a fortress around you to keep you from understanding and believing. Now, if he can do that and keep you from believing the gospel, don't think that this spirit won't come along and keep you from believing that your children will be saved. Keep you from believing that he wants to give you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Oh, well, you know, God wants me to be not have nice things in this life. That's not true. That's not true. Okay. Paul told the church at Thessalonica to work. For what? Money. There was times Paul was working on tents. Why? To support himself. Did you know that the book of Romans was a letter to raise money from the church at Rome for the poor saints at Jerusalem? That's what he was trying to do. Paul was a fundraiser. He knew how to raise money. I don't want to believe it. Well, 
You don't have to believe it to make it true. It's true whether you believe it or not. He was raising money. And he gave the church at Rome people he had never saw his doctrine so that he could take up an offering for them. God is into money and business. That's how the kingdom of God works. You have to pay for things. Airtime costs money. Producing books costs money. Now there's an abuse with it, but, you know, the enemy comes in and tries to get this pharisaical spirit, this spirit of unbelief, getting people to think that uh, poverty is going to help them reach God, and it is not. I know poor people that don't know anything about God, and I know rich people that don't know anything about God. But then again, I know people that are either one and know plenty about God, and that shows me it has nothing to do with being poor or being rich. What it has to do is your connectivity to the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God. But this spirit of unbelief comes in and tries to get you to believe that your family is not going to be saved, tries to get you to believe that your son's never going to be delivered, that your daughter's never going to come out of her, her rebellious ways, and it starts affecting your prayer life, it starts affecting your worship life, and I've seen people get so overcome with this spirit of depression and unbelief that they don't go to church, they can't uh, start up their prayer life, they can't get into worship because they're just overcome with this spirit. Our time is running short, friend. I want to pray. And if you have anything in your life operating, I want you to agree with this prayer tonight as I believe God for your deliverance. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person that's tuned into this broadcast. Right now, Father, I break the power of every wicked spirit, every spirit of darkness, every spirit of torment and harassment. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I command you to loose your power and hold over every person listening. There's someone you're listening this evening. You feel tremendously condemned in your life. Right now, I break the power of condemnation over you. And I command you to be free. I command you to be whole. I command the enemy's grip over your life to break right now in Jesus' name. Command this dark, unbelieving spirit to loose you now. And I pray in the name of Jesus, the light of God's glorious gospel would shine into your heart. Father, I pray if there's people listening tonight, they don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I pray they be born again, filled with the Spirit. Say this, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died and rose again. Save me now. I believe that the Spirit of God can be mine. Baptize me in your fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friend. We want to remind you next week that we'll be on at the same time, 12-15. Next week, I will be taking calls. Until then, remember, Amazon.com, Chris Palmer. The Believer's Journey, and we will see you next week. Stay encouraged. God bless you, and we'll talk to you soon. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, chrispalmerministries.com, or log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Ministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Walled Lake, Michigan, 48390. And tune in again every Saturday night at 1215 a.m. for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ 103.5 FM, The Light.